We continue our, uh, our series on the seven deadly sins. And, and we have one more installment after today. And, and Pastor Dave is going to bring that to us uh, on lust. And, and this has been, and I've said it every single time, this has been a tough series to preach. You know, you guys know how we normally preach. We'll, we'll, we'll grab a book of the Bible and, and we'll start going verse by verse, expository teaching. Well, when you go into subject teaching where you're grabbing a, a topic, you can go all over the place. And, and there's so many things to cover. At our pastor's meeting this week, we spent, I don't know how long, discussing what's the definition of anger. What's the definition of anger? How do you define that? We've done this before throughout this series, is, is we have a lot of discussions about how do we see Scripture looking at this specific subject. I know gluttony, we spent over three hours discussing what gluttony was. If you haven't uh, been involved or you, or you weren't able to be here for some of those messages, they're online, and, and they just released a... a um, uh, a blog where, where you can subscribe to it and, and you can hear all of the messages there. So anger shows itself in, in many different ways. In many different ways. It could be explosive or it could be in a silent treatment. Or anger could show itself as irritability. I, I think of someone who's hungry or hot. And all three of these, all three of those ways, explosive, the silent treatment, irritable, they all can be sinful. And many times they are sinful. Anger hurts relationships. It just hurts relationships. Anger is what sent Jesus to the cross. Anger is what persecuted Jesus. And interesting enough, it was Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' blood, that covered the anger that was shown. Anger's usually rooted in something else. Maybe fear. Um, insecurities. Lack of trust. Anger, anger is produced a lot of times by other things. Anger can be righteous. We're going to discuss that in, in somewhat of a, a good detail. But anger can be appropriate and a good response. But anger, bottom line, needs to be surrendered. And I, I think that's about what all of these topics that we're talking about, sloth, gluttony, pride, envy, anger, greed, lust, all of them need a, a point of being surrendered. Romans 12, 18 through 21 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lots of times anger, lots of times anger is caused maybe by 
things that you and I do. We actually help cause anger in other people's lives sometimes. Maybe it's by what we say. In fact, our tongue is a very dangerous, even though it's extremely helpful and extremely beneficial, it's very dangerous. The, the, the tongue is talked about and warned about throughout the Psalms and the Proverbs. Psalm 35, 28, 37, 30, 21, 24, and, and then throughout the Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 2, 15, 4, 21, 23, 25, 23, all over. I, I have a whole list of, of where it talks about how the tongue is dangerous and how that, that causes strife in people's lives. There's a story about a man in ancient Greek time. His name was Bias. And, and, and Bias was, was known as one of the wisest men in all of ancient Greece. What, one of his... One, one of the people from the nearby villages sent him an animal to sacrifice as a gift. He said, the only thing I ask is that you send me the best part of the animal back and you send the worst part of the animal back before you sacrifice. And so Bias cut out his tongue. Cut the animal's tongue because he knew that the best part and the worst part about someone is their tongue. See, when we are angry, the tongue says stuff. The tongue does stuff that we can't take back. So let's dig into our notes for today. Because if we're going to navigate uh, the waters of anger, we need to discover the place where anger originates. We really need to dig into that and understand. And I believe that Scripture teaches that anger is first. It's an emotional response. An emotional response based on our perceived injustice. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. We become angry many times because we think that we've been wronged. I, I think of, of July of 1992. July of 1992. The best basketball team ever assembled, maybe in history, happened that summer, the Dream Team. The Dream Team, you know, they won by an average of 44 points per game, and they were facing an Angola team. And they, they, they were crushing this team. They were beating them so badly. I think the score was something like 56 to 8 after the first half. They, they ended up winning like 114 to 46 when the game was said and done. But, but there was a guy by the nickname of Sir Charles. Round mound of rebound. Charles Barkley. Well, Charles Barkley, he had an issue with anger. And if you remember the story, he, he, was, he was scoring and doing great things, and they were dominating, and there was a 6'6 guy, uh, Hernandez or Hernando from uh, uh, Angola. He's six foot six, 172 pounds. Charles Barkley was not 172 pounds. And Charles Barkley made a bucket, and as he turned around, he elbowed this guy in the chest. 
and took them and it, it took the wind out of them. And Charles Barkley said after that, after that match, he goes, well, he deserved it. He, he was doing stuff to me the whole time. Video would show us later on that Charles Barkley, his point of view was not correct. That guy hadn't done anything to him. Charles Barkley just was in a situation where he was angry. And it was probably because he felt like the refs were not treating him fairly. But, but it, it was his perceived injustice what caused him to do that. Anger goes into a, into a protection mode. And sometimes that's appropriate and that's needed. When we think we're gonna be harmed or we think that someone we love is gonna be harmed. Oftentimes, we don't know all the details when we become angry. I think about that for myself, and I think about that for when I'm coaching my children. They'll become angry about something. I'm like, ah, I'm not so sure you, you understand what's happening here. Anger is also rooted in God's person. Psalm 7:11 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth. Ephesians 5.6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We could say that anger is rooted in God's perfection. Might even be a better way of saying that. God is not angry in the sense uh, that, that he, is, he is love. God is, God is holy. He, his anger arises out of his holiness. His anger arises out of his love. His holiness means that he's morally absolutely perfect. His love is benevolent towards his creatures, and, and out of that comes his anger. So our goal is to discern the purpose of anger. We need to discern what's the purpose of anger that we have. Why do we have it, and, and, and can it be beneficial? Three quick things. Anger should spur us to action, seek to stop evil, and save the evildoer. May 3rd, 1980. There she was walking down the bike trail in uh, Fair Oaks, California, uh, Carrie Leitner. She was 13 years old. She Just a couple hours before that, her and her, her twin sister were getting pictures taken uh, for softball. And Carrie and her best friend, they were walking uh, to the church carnival. And they were enjoying their time and, and they were probably laughing and giggling, and they could actually see the carnival just ahead. What they didn't realize is, is that minutes earlier, a 47-year-old named Clarence Bush, he had been on a three-day drinking binge. He got in the car after being at the bar and started driving down the road pretty much out of control. And as he was coming down the hill, he veered over into the, 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 the bike walkway 
and he hit Carrie, and he threw her 125 feet. Her shoes actually were in the same place where she was standing. You know, they couldn't even use Carrie's organs to donate. They were, she was so destroyed. Clarence blacked out, and then he came to, and then he drove off, leaving Carrie laying there. Clarence was eventually found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. The judge said there were balancing factors that caused him to impose a less than three-year sentence for him. He served four months before entering a, a work furlough, and 11 months after his conviction, he was released on parole. Carrie's mom, Candy, she was angry. She was extremely angry. So it spurred her to action. It sought to, to stop evil. And that was, that was the start and the creation of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Because of that, thousands and thousands of people have been saved because all the laws began to change. In fact, Clarence Bush, two years later, two, three years later, got in another hit-and-run accident while he was drinking and driving when he got another license in California. And so that's when Candy took it to the next level and, and it got into the federal system. And it's really changed a significant amount. All the percentages dropped every time new laws were going into effect. Carrie's mom, Candy, she deserved to be angry but she allowed it to change her. She allowed it to, to use it to do other things. Jesus was frequently moved into action because of his anger. He, he, had, he had a high-end emotion that Scripture identifies as anger several times. J.I. Packer, who, who some are consider him as, as one of the uh, the most important evangelical theologians in the 20th century. Th this is what he said. He said, Jesus went in the synagogue on the Sabbath and saw a man with a crippled hand, and he knew that all the Pharisees, all they were doing is they were just waiting for him. They were just waiting to see, ooh, what's he going to do? Is he going to actually heal him? And that made Jesus angry. Because they did not want to see him heal a man because it was the Sabbath. They didn't, they didn't care about the handicapped man. They just, and they didn't want to see the power and love of God brought on them. They didn't want to see that. Jesus sternly charged the leper who he healed not to tell everyone about it. He became angry when he told everyone because he knew that that was going to cause a multitude of people to come just to watch healings and miss all of the words that he was sharing. Jared Packer wrote, Warfield said, a man who cannot be angry cannot be merciful. The person who cannot be angry at things which thwart God's purposes and God's love towards people is living too far away from his fellow man. So interesting to think about. When I walk the streets of, of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, 
I get angry at seeing the poverty, the disease, uh, the needs. And many of that is caused from all kinds of other variables. And that angers me and that moves me to action. That helps me to, to, to look at what's happening to people. There are two types of anger that we need to distinguish between. Anger can be definitive. And anger can be distorted. If anger is definitive, it means that we know all of the information. We know 100% of it. Candy Leitner knew 100% of the information in the sense of she knew that he was drunk, that Clarence was drunk. She knew that he is the one who hit uh, her daughter. There's another lady, Victoria Ruvolo. Ruvolo. It was in 2004. She's driving. She's, she's on a 20-mile drive, and, and she's a couple miles from her house. And as she's driving, her and her friend, she's, she's just enjoying her time. And, and, and unexpectedly, as a car is coming the other way, which there were five kids, teenagers, in that car, unexpectedly, an explosion happened. What was the explosion? Well, earlier, those boys had been shopping at a grocery store just to mess around. And their last purchase on a stolen credit card was a 20-pound frozen turkey. And as Victoria was driving, a, a young man named Ryan Cushing took the turkey and, and threw it in the air as they were driving past cars. And the turkey went right through her windshield and right into her face. That was like a missile going into her car. It broke every bone in her face. It, it, they ca it caused uh, brain damage to a certain extent. She had to have reconstruction surgery multiple times, major therapy. Well, as Ryan was going to court to face the penalty, all the other people got off with just misdemeanors. They were, they were throwing the book at him. 25 years in prison it was the maximum penalty, and that's what they were going after. Well, Victoria got well enough that she went to the court and she pleaded with, with the attorneys to give him the minimum, to give him six months and five years probation. She begged for that, even though she knew all of the information they had him on video camera buying the turkey. He had admitted fully that he was the one who threw the turkey. He deserved everything, and he deserved her anger. Her anger was righteous. She knew all the details. It was definitive. The judge did give him only six months. They did embrace after the, the judge pounded the gavel for about five minutes, bawling in each other's arms. God has definitive anger. You see, God knows everything. He's really the only one who has 100%. If we're identifying it, he knows every bit of details. His anger is righteous. His anger is perfect. And he's the only one who has that perfect anger. 
The other anger is distorted. The other anger is distorted. We don't have all the information. We don't know all the details. There was a lady who, who went uh, to a, a fair, and, and she, she went up to this lady to go talk to her. And the lady that she knew turned her back on her and snubbed her quite a bit. And she, just, and she came and talked to me. It was last week. She came and talked to me about it. And she said, oh, I am angry at this lady. I was like, oh, this is going to be a perfect story. She said, I am angry at this lady. And I said, oh, what happened? And she said, she snubbed me. She looked away from me. And I know it's because of X, Y, and Z. And I just asked her the, a simple question. I said, have you ever had a conversation with her? She said, of course. I've talked with her many times. I then asked a follow-up question. Has she ever done that to you before? I said, no. I said, then excuse it. Give her, give her other opportunities. Just assume that you don't know all the details. And you know, we get angry a lot. We really do. And, and, and I think if we took a, a true inventory of our own hearts and of our own emotion, we'd realize that our anger many times is not needed. We have distorted understanding of anger. We have distorted understanding of the situation. So we need to diagnose if anger is a problem in our own lives. And this, is, this is what I've been doing throughout the week. Is anger a problem in Phil Chapman's life? So ask yourself, am I in my anger perceiving things accurately? Do you really understand what is happening in the situation? Do you really need to be mad at that person for what they said, just like the story I just shared? Do you really need to be mad about it? Ask yourself, am I in my anger promoting God's righteousness? Again, there is a time to be angry and promote God's righteousness. But listen to James 1. Verses 19 through 20, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Is it producing God's righteousness? Ask yourself, am I in my anger provoking further anger or fear. This happens all the time. Let's say I'm upset at my kids and I get angry at them about a situation. Is my anger actually exasperating my children, which is causing more anger to happen both for me and for them? But what's the benefit? If we get angry at our spouse, most likely it's not a righteous anger. Most likely. It could be. Or, or your colleague. Or, or, or the, the person that you deal with at the gas station. People get angry at, at, at people if they get their order wrong at a restaurant. How is that helping?
Ask yourself, am I in my anger putting others or me in a dangerous situation? I was a senior at Newark High School playing baseball, and I was hitting. We were having batting practice, baseball. And my, my buddy, Ed Lee, was our manager, and he was sitting behind uh, the backstop. And man, I was in a slump, even in batting practice. And, and I just kept swinging, and, and, and our, our southpaw was just flying the ball in there, and I, I could not hit the ball. And I, I looked at, at Ed Lee, who was sitting behind the fence, and I said, Ed, if I miss another time, I'm chucking this bat. I'm whipping it. He goes, no, you, you, you'll never do that. Well, I swung and I missed. And so, oh, so angry. I took the bat and I whipped it. And it goes, poom, 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 poom. And then it hit a guy right in the leg, my head coach. I got kicked out of practice that day. But you see, my anger caused someone else to get hurt. And we see that all the time. All the time. Where our anger is actually hurting people. And sometimes it's emotional hurt. And we don't even realize it. But a lot of times it's also physical. We get mad at somebody, we pick something up, and we want to throw it. We kick a door. I know a guy who, who, who punched a wall and he broke his own hand because he hit a stud. Apparently he wasn't a stud. Anger can hurt yourself and it can hurt other people. Ask yourself, am I, am I anger painting those around me? Am I painting? Am I causing pain? You know what? If you're angry, you actually are annoying to everybody else around you. People will start avoiding you. People will start finding ways to not be by you. You know those people who get angry when they're hungry or when they're hot. I'm literally talking about myself right now. People don't want to be around you. Or you get angry. I, I worked for this one person one time. You never spoke to them on Mondays. I'm not joking. I, I spoke to the person many Mondays before I figured it out, and finally one of the colleagues goes, uh, Phil, it's Monday, man. You don't want to go in there. I said, what do you mean? Well, the person worked from, from early in the morning, and they knew that they had to work. They had meetings until 8 at night every Monday, and so they were always angry on that day. So I learned to avoid. We don't want to do that. I don't want somebody to be saying, ooh, let, let, let's avoid Phil. It, it, it's a Monday, and they, he's got a lot of meetings. It's, it's a Sunday. He's, he's going to be preaching, so he doesn't want to talk to anyone because he's focused on that. You, you don't want that. You, you don't want that. Uh, you know, we, I'm a school board member in Newark, and, and so we'll have board meetings until late at night. I don't want to be angry every time I have a board meeting. That, that doesn't make sense. I want to be happy and I want people to come into my life. Ask yourself, am I in my anger producing the change that I want? 
Am I producing change because of my anger? We, we saw Candy, Candy earlier, Leitner, in her anger, she caused change by developing an organization called MAD. I think of people at abortion clinics. I'll tell you right now that I, it, it, it's one of the things that I can't stand the most in this world is the fact that babies die, babies get killed. I, it disgusts me. But you know what? If I'm burning up a, an abortion clinic or killing an abortion doctor, most likely I'm really not causing change. I think you're righteous to be angry about it. But you've got to be thoughtful of, of that response and that process. Ask yourself, am I, am I anger pushing me closer to others or further away? Again, this goes right back to painting those around us, producing change, uh, putting others in dangerous situations. It, all, when you are angry, are you actually pushing yourself away from other people? Again, if, if you're an angry person, I mean, I, I just know for myself, I'm probably not going to talk to you or not going to be around you as much. And I'm guessing you guys are the same way. You don't necessarily, unless you are required to, be around that person frequently. And your kids, if you're angry at your kids all the time, or your grandkids, or your nieces or nephews, or the neighbor kids that are, are trying to come over and, and have a snack at your house and a lemonade, if you're angry at them all the time, they will not be around they will find ways to avoid. You're, you're truly just pushing them away. So we need to deploy the best response plan when we are angry. It requires you to first recognize that you personally are angry. We have to, we have to take our own inventory on that. Sometimes we need to take cues from our spouse, from, from those around us that say, Man, what's, what's, what's your deal? What are you so upset about? So many times if I'm upset, it has, it, 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 there, there's, what do we say, Sherry? We, we like have to keep peeling it away and, and figure out what's at the bottom of this. What, what's the real cause of it? Why are you angry? There's something else going on. But we have to recognize ourselves, man, I, I'm angry right now. Why am, I, why am I being like this? And, and maybe you do. You need to go get a Snickers. <laughs> those commercials are tremendous. I thought about showing a whole bunch of those. But maybe, maybe that's what it is. You need to restrain your immediate response when you're angry. Sherry sent a thing out uh, to our, we have a, a Chapman text group. And, and she, she sent it out to all of us and, uh, this week. And it said something like, when you're angry, pause, pray. So when we are feeling angry, we don't need to react immediately. We need to stop. What does scripture say? Slow to speak, 
quick to listen. Many times we want to just fight back with our, with our tongue and lash out in anger. We need to rethink the focus of your anger. Again, how, is it, how can you make it beneficial? How can you use the anger, which may be righteous, as a benefit to others and to yourself? Review your options. Figure out, hey, what can I do with this? How do I deal with this? Do I need to just surrender it to God? And you need to respond with constructive action. Respond with constructive action. You know, this is, again, these messages are practical. These are real-life things that we're dealing with every single, every single day. And many of us are, are guilty of, of these sins, and probably most of us are guilty of all of the sins in some fashion. We all struggle from it because we're human. I know, I know so far I've struggled with every single one so far. Everyone. One final story. There's many years ago that there was a senior executive of a standard oil company. He, he made a decision that lost the company $2 million in one decision, one day. Well, John D. Rockefeller, he, he was in charge of the whole company. And no one wanted to be by John Rockefeller that day. They knew he was going to be angry and that he was going to be taking names, and, and he was going to deal with this gentleman who had lost the $2 million. Well, everyone was avoiding him except for there was this one guy, Edward T. Bedford. You see, Mr. Bedford was a partner in the company, and he had already had a scheduled meeting that had already been canceled multiple times, and he couldn't cancel it again. He wanted to, but he, he went and faced Mr. Rockefeller, knowing that he was going to get an earful for what this other guy did. And as Bedford walked into that room, he saw Rockefeller just calmly writing on a pad of paper. And Rockefeller turned and looked at Bedford and, and said, Oh, I'm glad, glad you came. He goes, I'm guessing you, you heard about the $2 million loss. Bedford agreed, waiting for the earful. Well, John Rockefeller that day taught a, a valuable lesson. On his pad of paper, as he was telling Bedford, he said, you know, I, I've thought about this a long time this morning. And, and, and the gentleman that lost us $2 million dollars, I thought, you know what, I'm going to write all the things that he's done well. And he had his name on the top of the paper and, and down a list of all these wonderful things that this senior executive had done, tremendous things. In fact, Rockefeller said that he earned them many times over what they lost that day because of three specific decisions that he made previously. You see, Bedford learned a lesson that day that we need to pause when we're angry, we need to take an inventory on what's, what are the facts and what are the necessary steps to resolve that situation. Anger can, 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 can just swell up in you, and you could lash out on people. 
You could affect people for eternity by, by just dealing with people harshly. So I challenge you to pray. Pray that, that God will control your emotions. You need to be angry at things. There are, are so many things that you need to be angry about in a righteous way. But in those ways where you feel that you've been affected, vengeance is God's. He's on your side when you are coming to him. Pray that, that, that they uh, will be forgiven, for they know not what they do. I just, I'm, I'm just amazed at what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't get angry at the situation because he understood that man was sinful, and he says, I forgive them, for they know not what they do without them ever asking. Learn. Pray. Learn, learn about the situation. Learn, learn from the situation. Learn how you can become better next time. If you are always angry every time you're hungry, then try to figure out ways that you're not hungry when you're getting with people. If you're angry all the time when you have meetings, try to figure out how do I prepare for that meeting or how do I go to that meeting with a different attitude. God teaches so well through Scripture. He gives us so much wisdom. Pray, learn, and then live. Live, live the, the best that you can. Don't live out revenge. Don't, don't, don't spend your life trying to figure out how you can get back at people and, and sit in that anger. Just love them. Love them and, and ask God to, to change you and to change them. Paul said in Ephesians, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Isn't that interesting? We always talk about that verse. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. It, it doesn't say don't go to sleep before your anger. It's saying, do not let the sun go down in your anger, because you know what? We're head heading into the winter season here, and every day the sun is going down quicker and quicker. I think that means our response to anger needs to be quicker and quicker. If we get angry, go seek reconciliation. Go ask God to forgive you and ask the person. Give it all to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you change us on a daily basis, that, that we are to die to you and that we are to come to you uh, with uh, those things that are bothering us physically, those things that are bothering us emotionally. Anger is, is such an interesting situation, God, where you have given us this emotion to protect us, uh, to give us the ability uh, to uh, strive uh, to um, defend your righteousness, but yet, we let it go out of control so often. We give anger a foothold to take control of our lives and, and to um, uh, move us into places that we don't need to be, that I don't need to be, God. I, am, I, I beg for your help. 
I beg that you always give us patience, that you give us the ability uh, to look to you, look to the empty cross and the empty uh, grave to understand that it is finished. You have done the work. You have been our example. And then we continue to lean on you, knowing that we are not perfect, knowing that we aren't uh, able to do it all so well, but knowing that we can continue uh, to learn, continue to seek you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.